Psalm 91. We're going to start in verse 10, and this is where we're going to focus tonight. It says, If you say the Lord is my refuge and make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone or trip up on what is common. You will tread on the lion and the cobra and you will trample the great lion and the serpent. We're going to stop there. Here's what it's saying. In other words, threats to your life and particularly to your spiritual life are going to come. One thing that you are promised if you decide to follow Jesus, one thing you can know for sure is that things will come at you that will try and take you out. I hope you're encouraged tonight. You have a difficult journey ahead of you. It is not easy. It is not without problems. It is not without difficulty. On the contrary, it is difficult to follow Jesus. It's not easy. What you can know is that threats will come, but if you trust in God, you can outlast them. I'm going to say it again. If you trust in God, you can outlast whatever comes at you. If you put your faith in God, stuff will come towards you, but it will not take you out. You will be able to withstand it. I want to turn your attention to one other scripture 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, it says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. I hope that language sounds familiar. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him in he, and standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. Be sober and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I want to speak on the subject tonight, outlast the enemy. If you're taking notes, which I'd encourage you to do every single week, you can write this down. Outlast the enemy. How many of you know life can be difficult sometimes? How many of you want to stay standing throughout it all and come out the other side? How many of you want life to take you out? Got some automatic hands there. I want to be the kind of person who whatever comes at me, that I can stay standing. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. We pray that as uh, we hear it tonight, that we'd be the kind of people who allow it to take root and that we'd be different than when we came. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. Um, I, I love camp. One of my favorite things in life is summer camp. How many of you are at camp this year? How many of you have never been to UD camp? How many of you have never been to UD camp? All right, next year's going to be first year. We set some goals this year. We're going to see, I, I, our goal is 300 at camp. Um, but I honestly, I hope we don't get 300 because if we do, I have to shave my head. And I don't want to shave my head and you don't want to see that. I'm telling you, you do not want, AJ, yeah, I do. <laughs> Nobody needs to see 
me with a naked head. That's, I, don't need a, I don't need a shaved head. So, but one of my favorite things about camp every year is a game we like to call hog tie. And a hog tie, for those of you who don't know, here's a little bit about hog tie. Hog tie is this game where there are two guys and there, uh, there are two groups of girls from opposite teams, six girls, that their object and their mission is to chase down the opposite guy and tackle him and tie him up before the other team ties up their hog. So the whole thing is, is you get these two guys who get all riled up and they're, they're ready to go. And then you get these girls on each opposite side whose mission is they take these ropes and they chase the guy down, tackle him to the ground, and tie up his arms and his legs. Doesn't it sound like a great game? How many of you guys would like that? It's torture. So the whole goal is, it's, I mean, it's crazy. I don't know how we have not broken somebody's neck before. I have a friend who's a youth pastor in Idaho, and uh, he's a big dude. He's like six foot five, 275 pounds. And one time he took his arm to block someone and he broke her neck. And uh, she had to get airlifted out. Trent Maestro. Yeah, crazy stuff, right? Yeah. She didn't make it. I'm, just, I'm teasing. She's okay. She made it. <laughs> She's alive and well. And she lived to tell. Um, but I love this game. I love Hogtie. It is so much fun. And, uh, but the whole, the, the, it's, it's kind of like this thing where you have to really be confident. And we had this one guy. Uh, this is a few years back. This one guy who for years had been begging. Every single year he's like, let me be the hog. Let me be the hog. Let me be the hog. And our excuse for years was, no, you're still in high school. We only let our adult leaders do it uh, because it's a liability. So the year he graduates from high school, he's like, let me be a hog. I was like, bro, you're too little. Next year, let me be a hog. No, um, we already decided who it was. Dang it. And so finally, I mean, he's at camp and he's begging. He's like, bro, I'm like 22 now. Let me be the hog. Can I please be the hog? I've been waiting for this my whole life. And so we're like, fine, bro. And so we line up the two hogs. It's him and this other guy. And, this, and it is clear to everybody who's going to win. This guy does not know what he's in for. And so he's just jazzed. He's like, I'm ready to be the hog. I mean, he, he picked out an outfit for, the, for just to be the hog. Do you like this dance? I'm dancing. I'm doing what he did, okay? I'm not just that excited. I'm, I mean, I'm excited, but I'm not that excited. So he's just, he's just ready to go. He's like, I am so excited for hog tie. And so we line up the guys, and all of the girls on every team are like, wait, it's not fair. Let us go against him. Because they know they will take him right down and tie him right up and they will win. Because really the goal in this game is not so much to not get tied. It's to outlast the other guy. So if you can get to the ground but stay with your arms under your body for long enough, as long as you outlast this other guy, it doesn't matter how long it takes you to go down. And so everyone's like, let us take him, let us take him. And I'm going to the other guy, I'm like, hey, bro, um, Maybe go down a little bit quicker um, and, uh, you know, just to kind of make it even. I know you're going to win. He's like, yeah, I know. I'm going to win. And so we, we, we blow the horn, and they're running around, and this guy is just crazy. 
He's got red in his eyes. I mean, he is, there's a demon possessing him. He's going nuts. And he's just, he is so amped for this and so jazzed. So he's running around like crazy. And he goes down so quick. And this other guy's like, yeah, and he's looking and he's laughing. He lets his guard down and the girls take him down. But he goes down, he's a bigger dude, and he goes down with a thud. And they immediately get his arms behind his back and his feet tied up. And within a minute and a half, they had him down. And this guy who everybody thought was going to lose had nothing tied up. And he runs up and he is going crazy. He's going crazy. He's like, yeah! It's like, this is what I've lived for! <laughs> I can die a happy man now. And he, I mean, he is pumped. And I remember talking to him, I was like, dude, I'm so, I'm, I got to give you props, bro. Like, I did not think you'd beat him. He's like, yeah, nobody did. I was like, what'd you do? He's like, all I knew is I'm not as fast as him and I'm not as strong in him, but I knew, as him, but I knew I could outlast him. I knew that if I just held on long enough that it didn't matter that I wasn't as strong or fast. I knew I could outlast. Can I tell you what faith is? Faith in God, following Jesus, this life of Christianity, do you know what it is? It's outlasting the attempts of the enemy. It's being willing to not quit when everything else says to quit. It's willing to withstand discouragement and failure and when all of these attacks and these things come against you, that you decide in those moments, instead of quitting, you keep going. Faith in God, if you could put it one way, it's outlasting the enemy. Outlasting the enemy. The word resist, where it talks about it in 1 Peter, it says, resist him and he will flee. That word resist means to withstand or outlast. Can I tell you something about the devil? He's real. But I want to tell you something else about him. I want you to hear this. Listen up, listen up. The devil's not strong enough. He's not fast enough. He's not smart enough. He is not able to take you out. But what he does know is that he's got a secret. All he's got to do is distract you long enough to get you thinking that you cannot outlast him. The devil has schemes. He's not, it's not as if he has strategies because he's not that smart. He is not like God. He's not omnipresent. He's not omnipotent. He is not anything that God is. God is everywhere and always, and he is full on. God is big. He's good. He's radical. He's awesome. The devil is the opposite in all of those categories. He is not able to take you out, but what he does know that he can do is if he can distract you long enough, he can trick you into thinking that you have nothing on him. And a lot of times what happens is we as believers, we allow the devil to think that he has victory. We get taken out so easily. We're easily discouraged. We're filled with fear. But can I tell you, the devil has nothing on you. When you know who you are and whose you are, when you are rooted and founded in God, guess what? The devil can do nothing to touch you. You know, the Bible talks about demon possession. 
I don't know if you've really studied this, and this is a tangent a little bit. But even it says, when the Holy Spirit is in you, the devil cannot possess you. No demon, no, no, no bad spirit can possess you, but it can torment you. And this is the lie of the enemy, is he can make you feel like you're more surrounded than you are. He can actually trick you into thinking that there's a bigger threat than there actually is. Wizard of Oz. If I'm remembering correctly, there was this. Anyways, I'm not going to go into it. You get it. You get what I'm saying. The devil's got nothing on you. When you have God in you, the devil has nothing on you. When you forget that you have God in you, the devil starts to take back territory because you think that you don't have the power to overcome him. If we were to reread it, we could say it this way. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone he knows he can outlast. Looking for someone he knows he can confuse. Looking for someone he knows that he can just withstand a little bit longer and confuse into thinking that they don't have the victory. Faith is outlasting the enemy. I want to give you three things to outlast. Three things to outlast. And I'm going to give you three F's because then they all start with F. One of them should start with a D, but I changed it so I could have three F's. So you're welcome. I'm going to give you three F's to outlast. And these are things that the devil will destroy, uh, throw at you to try and destroy you, try and take you out. But you got to outlast them. Number one, you got to outlast fear. You got to outlast fear. Here's what it says. Cast your anxiety on him for he cares for you. I want you to write this down. This is what anxiety is. And even if you have a phone, you got to write it on your phone. That's fine. Here's what anxiety is. Anxiety is an unhealthy distraction that steals your focus. I'll say it again. Anxiety is an unhealthy distraction, unworthy of, but still stealing your focus. You ever had something that distracted you so much, but it really shouldn't have? Like you ever been dating a girl, and you thought you saw something, and the whole day... You're worried, is she texting that guy? And, and does, does she like him? But the whole time she was, she was just playing like words with friends or whatever. And, and, but but it, it stole your focus the whole day. I, I remember one time I was dating a girl in high school. And I remember I, uh, I thought I saw something. And the whole day, the entire day, I was just pouting folding my arms, and it was actually something that I was totally confused by, and it took my focus the whole day. And this is what the devil likes to do, is he likes to distract us with fear. He likes to make us feel intimidated when we shouldn't be intimidated. I remember, I remember when I was deciding what I wanted to do with my life. I graduated from Tahoma High School in 2003. Don't do the math. Um, I graduated in 2003, and um, I was really uncertain about who I wanted to be, where I wanted to go. I was trying to discover it, but I just, I, I felt like I had no direction. And so, I remember I had been playing with some different ideas, and all the while, I'd stayed involved in the youth ministry here. And I'd been serving, and I was playing drums, and, and I was super involved. And so, I knew that God had some sort of purpose for my life, but I really wasn't sure what that looked like. And so the whole time I was really confused and I was uncertain about what I wanted to do. And so I remember there was this point 
where I had thought about uh, what if I go to Bible college, what if I pursue ministry, what if I do this or that, or what if I get this job, and I remember I kind of felt deep in my spirit like there was something that God was leading me to do, but I was so afraid of me missing God's will that I wouldn't make the decision. There was actually an entire year that went by that the reason I didn't make the decision was not because I didn't know it was right, but it was because I was afraid that the decision might be wrong. I was afraid that I might make the wrong decision, that I allowed that fear to drive me rather than what could be. Are you tracking with me? I allowed the fear of what I hadn't seen yet to drive what I could create. And I remember finally one day I'm sitting with my friend Josh Cross. We're at Red Robin in Auburn. And we're sitting there and we're talking and both of us were in the same boat, same season, couldn't decide what we wanted to do. And we'd both been beating around the bush. We'd been talking about it. We'd been, we'd kind of been skirting the issue. We'd been ignoring it. We were like, oh, we don't really know. And I'm thinking about this. And I remember we both had this epiphany. Like, and we both challenged each other. We're like, Josh, Taylor, let's just do this and stop whining about how we're not sure. Let's go for it. And I remember in that instant, we left that restaurant that night certain. And we were so still scared. I was still scared that I was missing it out. I was scared that I was leaving and Noelle wasn't going to come with me because she didn't like me anymore. I was afraid of that. What's that going to turn out like? Obviously, it worked in my advantage. I was, I was unsure. I was unsure. But here's what can happen. Is fear can actually cripple you and, cause, and it can look like this massive shadow when in reality it's just this little puppet making you think that it's bigger than it is. And this is what the devil likes to do to you, is he likes to throw up these massive fears that says you're never going to make it, you're never going to reach your potential, you're never going to do what you said you could do, you're never going to fall into God's purpose for your life, you're never going to be a mar- uh, gonna, never going to get married, never going to find a spouse, never going to get a career, never going to make it to school, never going to graduate from school, never going to have a job that pays enough, you're never going to make a difference in this world, you're never, 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 and what it is, is it's these little tiny puppets with a light behind them with this massive screen making it look like it's this big shadow but can I tell you it's a farce it is not worthy of your fear it's not worthy of your attention and what can happen is we see what makes us afraid and we step back and we say I'm not going to do this because I don't want to possibly mess up can I tell you that that held me back for years But I'm thankful that in that moment I made the decision. And what's on the other side of your decision to just step into it and believe that God is with you and that he's got your back? Man, can I tell you tonight? God has your back. Let me say it again. God has your back. Can I tell you, God believes in you. God looks at you and he sees the image of his son in you. So it doesn't matter how many times you failed. doesn't matter how many times you've gone the wrong direction. God sees you. He believes in you. He loves you. He's put his image on the inside of you, his DNA. The possibilities are endless when you believe that God is at your back. But sometimes we have fear and we say, wait, 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 wait. I, I don't match up. I've made mistakes. So why would God be with me? Oh, what if? What if, what, oh man, what if I do this and something bad happens? What if I make that decision and 
and it doesn't turn out like I thought. And so what we do is we cripple up and we say, oh, maybe uh, here's, here's what I did. I'll just tell you what I did. I made excuse after excuse for why I could stay in fear. You ever found yourself making excuses so you didn't have to make a difficult decision? Raise your hand if you want to grow. Now hold them up there while I preach. I'm just kidding. You can put your hands down. (laughs) You know what's interesting? Listen, listen, listen. We are so addicted to comfort that the smallest, slightly uncomfortable decisions we avoid at all costs. You can put your hands down, guys. Thank you. So I would, for me, I mean, it came to the point where it's like I would go talk to that girl, but I'm so scared that she might say no. So I'm never going to get up the guts. That was me. I, I, would, I would apply to that school, but I'm probably not going to get in. I would go and apply to that job. Do you know what I did? Can I tell you? I, I, I wanted a job. I worked at Starbucks. It was my first job, Wilderness Village Starbucks. I worked there for two and a half years. And before I went to college, I worked there in high school. My dad made me apply. And he made me go and check in every week until I got the job. I got the job eventually. And I remember he challenged me. He's like, hey, you could be making more money, but you got to have to go apply. And I remember, he's like, you should go apply at the Salish Lodge. Salish Lodge is a nice hotel on top of the Snoqualmie Falls, about 25 minutes from here. Beautiful place. You get paid a lot more money an hour, opportunities to move up, great work experience, and it's different than Starbucks. So I remember he told me to do it. I was like, Dad, uh, you probably have to be uh, like 21 to work there. They usually don't hire people that are 21. And I kept finding all these excuses to not go there because I was afraid that if I applied, they would look at me and think, who is this guy applying for something that he doesn't deserve to have? So I kept not doing it. And one day my dad says, get in the car. We're going to apply. Make sure you have your nice clothes on. Ah, come on, dad. And uh, put my nice clothes on, get my resume, bring the application, go up and get the application, fill it out. And uh, I go in there and I apply. And, uh, and the, the manager at the time, her name was Bonnie. She's like, well, Taylor, I have some time. Why don't you come? Why don't we just do an interview right now? I was like, okay. So I go down, I go down to her office, and she interviews me. And uh, we, we have this whole conversation. I, I start to tell her about what my plans are. She's like, tell you what, can you start this week? I was like, yeah. She's like, all right, you got the job. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I didn't even want this job. What the heck is happening right now? And I'm so thankful that I did because I was able to make more money there. I was able to get experience that is now invaluable to me. I was able to actually go back there for the summers and make more than all my friends combined over the summer because I had the willingness or a dad that was willing to force me to go and do something that the fear was so big, but it was a farce. This is what fear will do. Fear will tell you that you're not worthy to ever be a good husband, so you'll settle for the girls that think that they're not worthy to ever find a good husband. Fear will tell you that you'll never get a career, so you'll settle for the low-hanging fruit of the easiest job. Fear will tell you that God doesn't love you, so why even try and knock on his door? If he's not even going to respond. Fear will tell you that you're going to be the same dad 
that you experienced when you were a kid or that your dad experienced when he was a kid. And so why even bother ever trying to start a family? Because I don't want to repeat the sins of my past. Can I tell you, this is an illusion that the enemy is putting up. Now, it may be based on false or past truths, but can I tell you that if you're in Christ, if you believe in God, if God is your refuge, all of these things that he throws at you are empty lies. They don't mean anything. They are not true. What God says about you is true, and those things have no business dominating your life. It's a little quiet in here. Come on, are you thankful that you don't have anything that you need to fear? Are you thankful that God is so good that he says that all of his promises in him are yes and amen in Christ? Are you thankful for that? Come on, but we got to start believing in faith that God is good enough that these things that create fear are actually empty lies. But you got to outlast fear. Some of you, you need to make the decision and just do it. You keep talking about it. Like, here's the funny thing. And can I tell you, I'm saying this from experience. You keep talking about that friendship that you need to end because you know it's pulling you down. You keep talking about the fact that you want to grow in God, but you won't make the decision to get up early. You keep talking about how you need new friends, but you won't even smile at, any, at anybody. You're miserable. And then you blame everybody else for why they don't want to hang out with you. No, you're annoying and you're, you're like sad to be around. Smile. Go make yourself friendly. But here's the thing, is what we do is we blame everybody else for why things aren't working, but we're not willing to take the steps and jump out and make it happen. The best remedy for this is step up and just make it happen. One other thought on fear. Fear says that God doesn't know what he's doing. When you allow fear to drive you, what you're essentially saying to God is, you don't know what you're doing. When you allow fear to dominate you, you're telling God that he is not powerful enough, that he's not good enough, and that he doesn't care about you. Can I invite you to stop allowing fear to dominate your life? I don't care what it is. Drop it. Move forward. Know that God loves you. Know that he's got your best at, in his mind, and he sees ahead of where you see, and just trust him and go for it. Stop wasting your time. Go after God. Go all in. Step out. Be willing to make yourself awkward, and I promise you, you will see God come through for you because God is with you. Number two is you got to outlast frustration. You got to outlast frustration. Another way to say it would be you got to outlast discouragement. It says, You'll tread upon the lion and the cobra, and you'll trample the great lion and the serpent. The great lion is actually another word for the young lion. Uh, some translations say the young lion, which is in the prime of its life and its strength. So the, the old lion or the super, super, the baby lion is not going to be able to be such a threat as much as the young lion who is very mobile and nimble. But it says you'll tread upon the lion and the cobra. And the way that it uses, that it uses these words is in this poetic term as if to say you will walk up into an area where it is dominated by a certain predator 
And that predator, before you see it, will make its presence known. So when you were to tread upon the lion or the cobra, if you were to walk up into an area where there was a lion or a cobra, it would make its presence known as if to say, I'm threatened by you. I know that you're actually stronger than me, but I want to, from off in a distance, make it seem like you have to get out of here. So it's going to make you get afraid back to the fear thing and make you leave so that if you come in there that its territory is not taken. I remember one time I was in Blue Lake, Eastern Washington. Me and my friends were going to go on a hike. And we're up in the hills area of, of Blue Lake. And in Eastern Washington, there's a lot of rattlesnakes. Have you ever seen a rattlesnake in person? And uh, I remember we're just at the beginning of the hike. And we're walking in, down this trail. It's big open, but it's desert, okay? We're up in these hills, and we're, we're starting the hike. And we hear off in the distance, probably a couple hundred feet away, we hear a rattle. And my, one of my friends, Nick, he's like, bro, let's go chase it. And I'm like, there is no way on God's green earth that I am going anywhere further. I turned around and I ran straight back to the cabin. I, I was so afraid of that snake, there was no way that I was going any further. And it's interesting because animals... When they signal that this is my territory and you're treading upon it, what they're actually doing is most of the time they are afraid. Talk about bears, lions, snakes, whoever it is. Most of these predators are actually afraid because they know that we could actually take them out. We have the smarts and the aptitude and the strength and all of those things to take them out. We have the tools to take them out. So these animals, when they come at us, they're actually saying, we're hoping that you think that our bark is as big as our bite. So when, they, when, when, a, when a predator comes up near you, oftentimes it's trying to get you to leave before the fight because the fight it knows it cannot win. I hope you're tracking with me. When the enemy, what he does is he uses discouragement to get you to think that his bite is as big as his bark. The enemy likes to use fear and discouragement to make you think that you can't go any further. So what he'll do is he'll take you out with discouragement. You failed once, you're always going to fail. You didn't reach your potential, you're always going to come up. Short. That word discouragement means to have a loss of courage. So when you get discouraged, can I tell you this? And I want you to hear this. If you're discouraged or when you get discouraged, let it, instead of being something that takes you out, let it be a reminder that on the other end of it is victory. That God is actually with you. And that the enemy is threatened by your presence. If you're discouraged right now, let, let your heart know that it's because there's something that God is doing that the enemy is afraid of. 
that there's something in you that the enemy knows that if that comes on the other side, then I have no business staying around. If he can make it through this, he's going to be lethal. So I'm going to try and rattle off in the distance or roar to make this person run the opposite direction so that he never comes near enough to know that I have no business trying to take him out. The enemy cannot defeat you. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. All of your old stuff, it is gone. You are made brand new. God is with you. He's for you. He's in you. You have victory. You have life. You have purpose. You have future. You have destiny. God will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. So can I tell you what this means? The enemy has got nothing on you. But what he'll do is he'll use discouragement. And that's discouragement. How often do we let it go further than it deserves? Raise your hand if you've ever been discouraged. Can I tell you, if your hand is raised, it's because there's something that God wants to do in you and the enemy is intimidated by it. The devil is intimidated by it because he knows that there's God-given purpose on the inside of you. But you gotta be willing to overcome the discouragement. That word trend means to approach with confidence and take the lead. What do you do when you're discouraged? Take the lead. Stop playing defense, get offensive. There's a young lady in our ministry here, one of our young leaders, graduated high school this last year, and uh, she went on the Dream Center mission trip with us, And which, by the way, we're going again this spring. And I would encourage you, if you're in or entering high school, this is for you. You should absolutely do it. It's going to be incredible. But she went on the Dream Center trip, and she had had some plans that um, actually the day that we arrived in L.A., she found out we're going to fall through. And this was her, this was her plan all throughout high school. And uh, she had decided she was going to do this. Plans fell through. She was discouraged, but really felt like God was, going to, was doing something else. And so she gets there, and throughout the course of the trip, God starts moving on her heart and she, she realizes what her part of her purpose is and she makes the decision. She's like, I feel like I'm supposed to do this internship uh, for a season and really jump into all that God has for me in this thing. And, and so she decides and she meets people there and they're encouraging her and the whole team is like, yeah, way to go. You got this. And it was awesome. And, and everyone's just stoked for it. So she, she comes home just higher than a kite, like, man, God did so much, and I know what I'm doing now. And she applies, and she gets in, and then through a series of events, finds out she's not able to go. So discouragement already hits her at the beginning of the trip, finds hope, is encouraged again, gets discouraged yet again. But I remember chatting with her in the lobby months ago and saying, you know what? There's more to this than you think on the surface, but you can't let this discouragement decide what you're going to do. You have to decide, did God call you? Is he leading you? And if he is, keep moving. Keep believing. And it may not look like what you thought it will, but it's going to happen. God is going to pull you forward. And so I remember she kept the faith. She kept knocking on the doors, kept believing. And it's funny because months later, she finds out that now, not only is she able to go, but she meets somebody in church who says, you know what, I want to contribute toward your uh, towards your internship. Let us know how we can do it. And she's like thinking, okay, maybe they're gonna give me a couple hundred bucks, sweet. Finds out this last Sunday. It comes and talks to me in the lobby again. She's like, hey, guess what? This is, you won't believe this. That couple I was telling you about last week, they just came up to me and said they're gonna cover my entire term. 
I was like, you got to be freaking kidding me. She's like, I know. Isn't that crazy? God is so good. And I was, I was like, hey, remember when we got to L.A. and you were so discouraged that your whole plans had fallen through, yet God knew what he was doing? Can I tell you, discouragement, it can take you out or it can be a reminder that there's more beneath the surface that God's doing. God has got your back, but don't let discouragement dominate you. I'm going to invite the band to come forward as we get ready to close, and we're going to go into worship here. But write this down. I want you to write this down. When you feel discouraged, let me, I want you to write this down. This is important. Shh. I want you to write this down. When you feel discouraged, write these thoughts down. Number one, don't make any major decisions based on how negative you feel. Don't make major decisions based on how you feel. Decide that you're not going to quit right now. Decide right now that no matter what comes at you, you are not going to quit. Another thought, know that on the other side is God's provision. God always has more for you that you can't see, but you can't quit. Lastly, don't whine. You're not a victim. This might be harsh, but don't whine. Don't whine about how you feel. Don't blame somebody else for how you feel. And as much as things might have happened to you that might feel like it's so hard, I'm not taking that away from you. But don't whine about how you feel. But when you feel heavy, raise your hand if you've ever felt negative, ever felt heavy, ever felt discouraged. Do what David did. David had a really hard season. He'd made some major mistakes that included murder and infidelity. And on top of it, he lost his, his child as a result of his negative decisions. And he had such a hard time. It was so bad. But what he did is he, he spent all night, he was pleading with God. And his prayer actually didn't get answered. You know what he did? The Bible says that the next morning, David woke up, he took a shower, cleaned himself up, and he went and he worshiped. He went and worshiped. The Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. You know what the remedy for your discouragement is? It's worship. The remedy for your pain, it's worship. The remedy for how you feel in your darkest times in the middle of the night, it's worship. The remedy for how you feel after you fail, it's worship. The reason that we're doing worship after tonight is because we want, if we're discouraged or we're worn out or we're tired, we know that the remedy is not just some quick fix. It's not some great idea, but it's taking the focus off of ourselves and putting it on the one who has the power to change our situation. The remedy is not your own wisdom. The remedy is the wisdom of God. And when you lift him up, he, the Bible says he draws you toward himself. The remedy is worship. The last point I have is this. So you got to outlast. you got to outlast, number one. You need to outlast fear. Number two, you need to outlast your frustration or your discouragement. And number three, you need to outlast your failure. you got to outlast your failure. 
says, you will tread upon the lion and the cobra and trample the great lion and the serpent. But can I tell you what the hard part is? It's the time between the tread and the trample. The most difficult part about following Jesus is the process between the time where you confidently approach your fear and you finally have the victory. You may have decided to start following Jesus. And then as you decide to start following Jesus, you start to tread. What does that mean? It means you confidently approach something. You start to tread. You take steps. But then fear takes, takes you back. Mistake takes you back. And you slip up and you fall. But you keep trying to tread, but then you, you get knocked back again. You go backwards again and you keep trying. And you're like, man, I'm going to give up. Can I tell you, there's always difficulty. And there's always a process between the beginning of when you tread to the end. When you take your foot and you put it on the neck of the devil and say, not today, Satan. I love the song, let the devil know not today. It's a great song. But sometimes it's like, not today, devil. But it's a process. It's a process. And your struggle and your pain, and the things that you're having a hard time getting on the other side of, it doesn't always happen overnight, does it? And you wonder, will this ever change? And God says, if you keep treading, the day will come where you will trample you will step on the neck of the lion and the serpent and they will no longer have any power over you. The question is, will you commit to treading? Will you commit to knowing that on the other end of your treading is the day where you will trample the lion and the serpent? You will trample, you will step on the neck of the devil and defeat him. The Bible says about Satan that the day will come where we will step on his head and crush his head. What is this saying? He will no longer have any control over your mind, over your thinking. He does not have the victory. Christ has the victory. And in us is Christ. So in him, we have the victory. But can I tell you, it doesn't happen overnight. So you got to be willing to decide, do I believe God and will I take him at his word? Will I continue to follow when I don't see the end result? the opportunity tonight to worship to fix our eyes back on Jesus and say God I trust you so I'm going to choose to tread I'm going to choose to approach the situation with some confidence knowing that it's going to take some time but knowing that in Christ I have victory would you stand with me you close your eyes all around here would you close your eyes with me just for a moment and we're going to enter into a time of worship here and I'm going to ask I feel like there's some people in here if we can just close our eyes and, and bow our heads right here in, just in this moment I feel like there's some people in here if you're being honest you've been afraid to tread You've been afraid 
to step confidently in what God has called you to do. Some of you, man, listen up, listen up. Some of you decided this year at camp or you decided at neon night or you decided last year that you're gonna follow Jesus but you're, uh, you're afraid to take the step into it. You're afraid to really say, whoa, whoa, whoa. if I do that, will, really God, will God come through? And I can't tell you, I know what your journey will look like, but I can tell you that on the other end of your willingness to tread is victory in the name of Jesus. It is not maybe. It might be when, but it's not maybe. It is 100% certain that when you put your faith in God, the Bible says that you will not be put to shame. It says, they who dwell in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You know what the scripture concludes with? It says, and I say this over Hayden every night, because she loves me, says the Lord, I will prosper her. I'm gonna be with her in times of trouble, for she honors my name. I will rescue her and honor her. And with long life, I will satisfy her and show her my salvation, which means hope. When you put your faith in God, one thing is certain. Attacks will come, but it's just a little puppet. It is nothing to be afraid of. Would you lift your hands with me? Just all over this room. Maybe you're saying tonight, God, I felt like I want to make the decision, but I'm not sure if you're going to let me down or going to keep me going. I'm not sure if you're going to be with me. I'm not sure if you're going to come through like I hoped you would. I'm here to tell you tonight that God is true to his word and he will come through on your behalf. We're going to sing, you're never going to let me down. And we're believing that God is good enough to come through for us. Come on, do you believe that tonight? Come on, can we sing that out? You're never going to let me down. And let's believe with all of our hearts as we worship that we're reminding our spirits and our lives that God is with us and that he's never going to leave us or forsake us.